with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, the sun looks like it's trying to break through here at Quebec and 3rd as I look out our window, but it's still looking pretty gray and kind of a dull-looking day out there. Now, we're starting the host chair, Steve on the board, as usual. And tomorrow's Remembrance Day, and I've got a couple of guests lined up for today. Mm. And to speak about that, uh, starting with uh, Sheldon Clare, who is a history instructor up at UNBC, and very much into military history, Sheldon. Good morning. Good morning, Alan. I'm actually at the College of New Caledonia, oh. not UNBC. Okay, so, you're, so I, I'm glad I didn't say up the hill at UNBC then as well. Okay. <laughs> no, I, we're in the ball. Yes. <laughs> so the, the one thing I was thinking of, knowing that I was going to be chatting with you this morning about this, is how many wars has Canada actually been in as a country? Well, uh, how many wars? That's a That's a really good question. <laughs> We, of course, have been in a number of wars. There have been mm-hmm. Canadians who have been in, in yeah. military service well before Confederation, if, if, if they could be referred to as Canadians. Yeah. Uh, one of the first Victoria Crosses was won in the Crimean War by a, a Lieutenant Dunn mm-hmm. uh, in 1854. But if you're looking at more modern events, well, of course, you have the uh, the, the the rebellions of, uh, of, of 1870, mm-hmm. the, the Real Rebellion, and... Uh, the, the 1885, you have uh, the Boer War, you mm-hmm. have the First World War, World War II, Korea, uh, the, you have the various peacekeeping operations that took place uh, from 56, yeah. you know, Suez and so on forward. You have the Gulf War, mm-hmm. you have the, the terrible events in, in Bosnia and in the former Yugoslavia, which... Uh, all kinds of horrible things happening that Canadians were there to put, help, try to help put a stop mm-hmm. to. And then, of course, the Afghanistan War. Yeah. Now, most of those wars, though, Canada was fighting under the banner, if you will, of the United Nations, correct? The Canadian no. forces. No. Uh, absolutely not. No? Okay. Uh, um, in most of the Canadian wars, we're fighting either initially under the flag of the British Empire. Yes. The, the Union flag. We're, we're doing that for uh, a good bit of our, our history. Mm-hmm. Then in the, the Korean War, we are participating in a United Nations mandated war yeah. in which Canada uh, supplied uh, just about 27,000 troops, mm-hmm. including air, army, and naval resources, mm-hmm. and which, which saw, I think, something like uh, 516 killed and another 15 or 100 or so wounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the Gulf War uh, was was uh, again a, a different mandate. It wasn't a, the in Bosnia, of course, was started off as a UN mandate and then turned to a NATO mission. Right. So most wars that we are in are not United Nations okay. mandated. They were based on our alliance system and our United Nations peacekeeping efforts have always been about supporting our alliances. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the first time that Canada declared war, shall we say, on its own was the Second World War, correct? Yes, and that was because Canada, uh, its efforts in the First World War had led to it being able to develop more foreign policy, which has happened with the Statute of Westminster in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that gave uh, Canada the ability to do its own foreign policy. Yeah, because First World War, correct me if I'm wrong on this, First World War, when Britain declared war, Canada was almost sort of automatically in the war. 
Well, as part of the British Empire, yeah. when when Britain went to war, Canada was at war. Okay, so now a, a great, a, a very rich military history then for Canada, and Remembrance Day tomorrow. That harken that's over a hundred years old now, isn't it? Well, yes, uh, it, it it is, and it's. Really, I think a testament to how quickly time goes past. Mm-hmm. A hundred years goes by in what many might see as a blink of an eye. And we have seen many thousands of Canadians go into military service in all those times, whether they've been in war or not. And their service has been selfless and valued and needs to be needs to be recognized, particularly to recognize those who went away and never came back. Yeah. And so now, Remembrance Day, I know, um, I want to say 19, was the first one 1919 in Canada? I think that's correct. Mm-hmm. The, the, the We called them Armistice Day yes. originally, because World War One doesn't end until the 28th of June, 1919, when the Treaty of Versailles is signed. Ah, Okay. So it, and it's, that's the anniversary of the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand yes. and his wife Sophie. Yeah, and it was purposely chosen for that reason. Yeah, and then so the war ended on November the eleventh, nineteen eighteen, at eleven a.m. Well, the armistice yeah. uh, happened. That didn't. The armistice doesn't end the war. No, the peace treaty does. Yes, the armistice ended the fighting. Okay, and I believe I remember I. Again, I'm pretty sure I've read this somewhere. There were people being killed right up until, like, the last minute, literally. Well, actually, the Germans in East Africa didn't surrender until well into, almost into December. Uh, 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 General Lutto von Vorbeck, who was notable for his not being a racist and employing African troops and treating them equally with the German troops, mm-hmm. doesn't, end, doesn't get the word that the war's over for, <laughs> for a good long time. And when he finds out, he can't believe it because he's actually the only, uh, the only uh, member of the Central Powers forces that is winning his theater. <laughs> but he, and did, he's furious, of course. Yeah. <laughs> did he accept it, though, and surrender? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he, he did. It, he actually had has one one account of it goes that he actually had to provide food to some of his captors. So now, so that was when that war ended. Remembrance Day or Armistice Day, as you say, ceremonies started very quickly after that in Canada, and they've just continued since then, haven't they? Through war, through peace, through the Great Depression, Remembrance Day has always been there. It's it's been a sacred thing. It's it's always been sad to me that not every jurisdiction in Canada uh, considers Remembrance Day to be a, a a day to to take take time from work and to mm-hmm. go and uh, mm-hmm. remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In British Columbia, for example, it's a it's a it's a statutory holiday. It, yeah. it is everything's closed. There's Remembrance Day. That's that. But that's not the case in many provinces in Canada. Oh. So for a lot of them, then, is it up to, like, the individual businesses, the individual municipalities, even, to make a decision? Well, I, I, I think so, but it's usually a, a, a business as usual in most, most yeah. of those places, mm. which is, I, I think, rather unfortunate and yeah. sad. And given the recent sacrifices in Afghanistan and, and so on, I think it's even more important that we take time to uh, recognize the sacrifice made by 
our soldiers who've gone undone so much. Yeah, because I know I was reading on Facebook, actually, a friend of mine uh, used to work for CN, and I believe he said that on November the 11th, at 11 a.m. local time, all CN and I think CP trains stop to observe a moment of silence. They just stop wherever they are, and then they I sound their horn. I think that's correct, and, yeah. I, and part of that is because large numbers of railway employees joined mm. up to form units that mm. ultimately served on the Western Front and, and did things like act as railway troops, yeah. which were very important to provide ammunition to the guns and logistical supplies to the troops. And the railways themselves, of course, were very important in Canada during the war to get the troops and the supplies to, like, probably Halifax and places like that for the harbors to get them over to Europe. Uh, ab- absolutely. Uh, the infrastructure created that was an impetus for British Columbia to come into Confederation mm. was uh, critical in order to support Canada's war efforts in every war it's been in. Yeah. So how has Remembrance Day, shall we say, evolved? Again, it's changed names, obviously. You were saying it started as Armistice Day and then became Remembrance Day. Was it a national holiday to start with and has sort of lost some of the significance in some areas since then, or was it always sort of people's choice? I think what, it's not pe- it's people's choice so much as the, the different provinces have different ways of recognizing it. Mm. And I, I mean, when you look at Newfoundland, for example, uh, it regards the 1st of July as its kind of uh, oh. Veterans Day, and that's right. because of the the opening day of the Battle of the Somme when so many were killed at Beaumont Hamel. Okay. So there, there's, there's certainly different aspects of recognition. Of course, Newfoundland is not part of Canada yeah. in, the, in the Great War, and nor was it in the Second, but yeah. it was soon after, and so Canada has absorbed those traditions from that uh, former colony and, and current province. And I'm just... Again, this is the part of Canadian history I'm a little bit shaky on times. Newfoundland was the only province that wasn't part of Canada during the First World War, correct? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, it wasn't a province, it was a crown colony. Yeah, because I think it was, as I want to say, Alberta and Saskatchewan in 1905? For the last yeah, that, the, 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 that's right. They're very, very soon at the start of the 20th century when you start yeah. to see the... the, the Prairie provinces become uh, part of confederation. So by the time the First World War came around in 1914, Canada was basically Canada, as you say, except for Newfoundland and Labrador still being a crown colony. But otherwise, Canada was the country that we know. Well, and I think the remarkable thing about Canada in that time is that it has a population of, I think, about eight and a half million. Mm-hmm. And when you realize that in World War One, the casualties that were taken are almost a percent of the population, Oof. it's it's a it's an incredible contribution to that war. Mm-hmm. And that do most people, as from your observations, talking to people, Remembrance Day and stuff like that. Do most people still think of it as more of a First World War thing, or do people remember that it also recognizes those who who served in Korea, who are serving now in other areas around the world? Well, I think it's the case that Canadians do generally recognize this as a means of marking Canada's service in all of its Mm -hmm. wars. 
and expanded peacekeeping efforts as well. We have had casualties in peacekeeping yes. uh, over over the years, That's, and that certainly needs to be acknowledged as well, as, as well as, as Canadian soldiers who've died during service. Yeah. Now, we're going to have to wrap this up pretty quick, Sheldon. I've got one more question that I have to ask you. Yep. I'm guessing you will be at the Remembrance Day ceremonies tomorrow. Are you going to yep. be? Are you going to be piping? No, actually, uh, I'm not going to be piping this year. Ian McGinnis from our local band will be will be piping. I'm uh, I'm the chairman of the Legion. I'll be the parade marshal for tomorrow's well, ceremony. Okay, so you're still going to be there. Now, will even though you're not piping, are you still allowed to, or will you choose to wear your kilt? No, I'll be wearing my Legion uniform okay. tomorrow, Alan. Okay. But I, I do want to just emphasize that everybody should be uh, making the effort to get a poppy yes. and contribute to the poppy campaign. It is a, uh, it's a very difficult time for the poppy campaign, given the current ongoing mm-hmm. pandemic. So uh, it's, it's really helpful for people to uh, get a poppy because the need is no less, and there is a, a more difficult uh, a time in being able to canvas. Okay. Sheldon Clare from CNC. I got it right that time. You did, Alan. Thank you very much for joining us to talk about Remembrance Day. Very, very, you're very welcome. All the best. Okay. Take a quick break and be back with more after nine. Do you like a good bluegrass song? Enjoying hearing music from the likes of Bill Monroe, Rhonda Vincent, and the Lakeside Ramblers? Then tune in to Back Porch Pickens Sunday evenings at 5 on 93.1 CFIS-FM for an hour of great bluegrass old and new. I'm Corey Walker, and I'm thrilled to take you on a musical journey each week as we explore the world of North American bluegrass. Catch Back Porch Pickens Sunday nights at 5, only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Standing up against racism is an ongoing battle. How will you help? I will employ an intersectional anti-racist lens to support the racialized community as they exercise their human rights. I will refuse to be silenced, and I will help others raise their voices against hate. I will listen, learn, speak up, and take action. This message is brought to you by the Canadian Anti-Racism Youth Coalition. Visit caryc.ca for more information about how you can stand up and speak out. Friday at 3.30 at UNBC, Professor Emerita from the University of PEI, Dr. Donna Guyberson, will be giving the talk, Bugs in the Barrens, Adventures in Arctic Entomology. Dr. Guyberson will take you on her search for northern aquatic insects and show you how this work can fill in distributional and taxonomic gaps. It's Bugs in the Barrens, Adventures in Arctic Entomology with Dr. Donna Guyberson, the next NRESI Colloquium, 3.30 Friday in room 8-164 at UNBC forecast from Environment Canada. A mix of sun and cloud today, a 30% chance of wet flurries this morning, then a 30% chance of showers this afternoon. Wind from the south at 30, gusting to 50 and a high of 4. A few clouds tonight, a low of minus 5 with a wind chill to minus 9. For Thursday, cloudy, a 30% chance of flurries in the morning and a high of plus 1. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, we were just talking with Sheldon Clare, and one of the things we were talking about with him, obviously, was the history of Remembrance Day and everything, and that's happening tomorrow. And joined now by the chair of the Remembrance Day Organizing Committee and Prince George, Craig Douglas. Good morning, Craig. Good morning. Uh, so, first question, and this is one I've been asked by a number of people, especially after last year, are the public, shall we say, allowed to attend the Remembrance Day ceremonies tomorrow at the Cenotaph? 
asking that uh, that they don't, that they stay at okay. home and either watch it on TV or live stream it. Uh, we have, as an outdoor event, with the health orders that are in place and uh, certainly concern for our veterans uh, that are mm-hmm. uh, those that are aging, um, that we, we, we have to limit the uh, immediate people to our event to under 100 people uh, and have to check uh, uh, passports and uh and identifications of those people that do show up so that we don't have the resources to, right. to check everybody in the crowds. Plus, mm-hmm. we anticipate that that would be over 100 people, with, mm-hmm. uh, uh, certainly maybe even thousands if we invited people down. So um, so we, we really can't do that again this year because of the uh, health orders. Okay, so, so is it basically going to be the same as it was last year? Because I think last year was under basically the same orders, wasn't it? Yeah, certainly um, it, it's going to be very, very similar. Um, we, we are allowed a few more people this year, which uh, uh, last year was restricted to 50, which mm-hmm. was very tight for us. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, you know, there's um, uh, that, that subtle change, I guess. Um, but by and large, I mean, most of it is going to be uh, um, the same as last year. The, the, the ceremony is going to be changed slightly in the order of things and CKPG is going to be broadcasting more of the event okay. and uh, and it's going to be live streamed um, as well as on the Legion Facebook uh, page okay. Now, the ceremony most people think about Remembrance Day and the ceremony they're saying, okay so it starts about a quarter to 11, wraps up just after 11. I'm thinking that for the organizing committee and the volunteers tomorrow, what time do you guys start tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we'll have people on site probably every uh, eight thirty this in the, in the morning, setting up uh, around the cenotaph, and mm-hmm. and then. Uh, but by and large, most of the group will start to uh, to attend probably about ten a.m. The ceremonies themselves will start uh, probably about ten to maybe five to right in that neighborhood, um, and then carry on like you said till probably about twenty after um, for the live uh, the live portion. So now, one thing, I'm trying to remember exactly what this was all about, but I know that a few years ago, there was about 150 flags and flagpoles, each of them with the name of someone from Prince George who had been killed serving in the armed forces, or in some cases, just with, you know, associated with the armed forces, because we had the one journalist um, are those flagpoles, are those flags still going to be up along the route that the uh, parade goes? Yeah, so uh, uh, some of them. So mm. so those, uh, I think there's a, around about 160 or so, and yeah. those are the, pers- the Canadian forces, um, and like you said, journalists that uh, lost mm. their lives during the Afghan uh, campaign. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and they're not all from Prince George. There are uh, a handful that are from Prince George, and certainly okay. we will have probably about um, 20 or so that will be um, in and around uh, Veterans Plaza that will be set up in the morning. Not all of them, but uh, mm-hmm. but a good portion of them. It will definitely be a red and white theme. Yeah. So now the volunteers get there, as you say, some of them around 8.30 or so, most of them by 10 o'clock. What is the schedule for the ceremonies itself? So when people are, if people are, when people are tuning in to CKBG uh, TV or online, what can they expect to see? 
Yeah, CKBG, the program, um, both online and through CKBG, will start at uh, 10.30 and end at 11.30. Mm-hmm. So there are a, a number of um, things that you will see at home that you won't see live. Um, for instance, uh, this year we are including the uh, Amazing Grace uh, 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 mm. uh performance, I guess, yeah. performed by the uh, local Pipes and Drums group um, that was recorded last year, and it's, a, it's as many that anybody that's attended is just a phenomenal yes. um, uh, production that they put on, so that will be there. Uh, there's a, a reciting of, of uh, in, Flanders. In, in Flanders Fields by uh, um, uh, John Scott, mm. who's going to be doing that yeah. this year. Uh, and there'll be some speeches from uh, from local politicians that uh, um, to mark this uh, this day as well. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, and then then they'll get into, of course, the actual live event, and uh, and then there'll be some images as well from a week or two ago. We had uh, the local scouts groups putting mm-hmm. flags on the, um, the 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 graves of. Of veterans okay. uh, in the uh, cemetery. So, yep. uh, if you drive by the cemetery, you see all those Canadian flags up. Those are uh, those are those that have uh, have fought for for our country. And I'm trying to remember. Uh, I know there is some wreath laying going on as well. Does that occur before the two minutes of silence or after it? Yeah, uh, in previous years we've done it before, but mm-hmm. this year uh, we are doing it um, after. It will be. Um, it'll take place uh, a little after 11 for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then, and there will be several, uh, actually probably dozens that, are, that will be in place before um, the ceremony. Because we're only actually going to lay 15 during the ceremony. Okay. And the rest from members of the public, uh, service groups, uh, businesses and such will be laid um, previous to to, uh, to the, the ceremonies taking place. And then, of course, if anyone has their own... Uh, wreaths that they want to lay or their poppies and put them down in the cenotaph. We'll ask them to, to do that following our ceremonies, which will be probably around 11.20 or so. Okay. And that's what I was going to ask you about is, again, I have... When I was in Kamloops, I talked to two different people from the Legion. One of them said, basically, when the ceremony is over, you should be taking your poppy off. Another one said, you should wear it all day. Do you know if there's any official protocol? Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Uh, my experience has been that um, that you you take it off when the ceremony is over and mm-hmm. you you lay it down. I don't think uh, if, if there you know that that may be right. Um, that's just what my experience has been, and I know that the the committee we've we've backed that uh, certainly over the last uh, half a dozen years um, if not longer but it, it, I don't think anyone's going to be insulted if anyone wears the poppy for the rest of the day I mm-hmm. mean it is a tribute to that that day but uh, the lead in is from of course uh, the, the Friday a couple weeks before the Remembrance Day which this year I believe was on the 29th yeah. and and the poppy campaign ends uh, on Remembrance Day and, and uh, I think for the most part anybody that attends the Cenotaph does place their poppy on the Cenotaph that's what I had noticed especially was as each person laid their wreath they usually took the poppy off and I think that's why a lot of people figured that's what it was but then you would see other people who the ceremony was over and they would be going and they would still be wearing the poppy so as I say not not a really a big deal I guess because you're remembering in your own way whichever way you go exactly right exactly right 
important thing, you know. And if, uh, you know, last year we had people, uh, uh, because of the, the health orders mm. and such, stay home and to, to go out there into the driveway at 11 a.m., you know, and that yeah. was uh, quite successful. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly that's something that, that people can do as well instead of uh, attending the Cenotaph this year uh, is go out and, and remember it that way. Mm. Let, let people in your neighborhood know that you're remembering and, yeah. um, uh, you know, and hopefully we, will, we won't be doing this next year. It'll be live and we'll have the yeah. parade and we'll have thousands of people attend like, uh, like we have in the past. Now, do you, listening to the weather forecast this morning, 60% chance of flurries tomorrow morning. So do you have people on snow shovel patrol just in case? <laughs> well, it is a city facility, so they yeah. have uh, assured us that they will uh, have it cleaned up and ready to go for us as they do every year. So um, we're confident in that, and mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, we'll be ready for all weather, um, those yeah. of us that will be standing out there. Now, there is the parade again. Where does the parade start and end, even though people can't come down and watch it or anything? But just so people know, where does the parade start? Obviously, it ends at the Cenotaph, but where do they start from? Yeah, it's it's actually not a parade. Oh. Um, the color party will march from okay. the Legion to Veterans Plaza. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the flags, basically the flag bearers that need to be there. So they will march, which is a uh, which is a block. Um, yep. There won't be. It's not going to be the the the. the you know, the pomp and circumstance, if you will, with the yeah. drums and the, and the legions of different uh, personnel from, uh, of course, uh, armed forces to RCMP mm-hmm. to fire department to service clubs. That's, that's not happening. Uh, no. um, that uh, is not allowed. Just simply too many people to, uh, to do that um, this year. Okay. So is there a website, Craig, that people can go to just to get the information again for where they can watch the ceremony, when it's taking place and everything? Yeah, CKPG TV, uh, if you uh, go to their website, they'll have all that. Um, they are airing it uh, live and, and two other times um, uh, tomorrow, and, and that can certainly be uh, checked through them. And then also with the, uh, the Legion Branch 43 Legion Facebook page. Okay, and again, if people do want to bring their poppies down to the cenotaph, they should wait until, like, even maybe afternoon might be the best time to bring them down? Yeah, after 11.30. We'll certainly be done by 11.30, and uh, they can do that. And the Legion will be open uh, from 1 o'clock on to members of the public to a maximum of 100 people, and those people that that can provide a a passport and Mm -hmm. uh, government-issued ID uh, will be allowed to enter so long as um, it's not over 100 people, so uh, keep that in mind. Okay. Craig Douglas, the chair of the Remembrance Day Organizing Committee, thank you very much for bringing us up to date on what's happening tomorrow with the Remembrance Day stuff. My pleasure, Al. Thank you. Thank you. Take a quick break and be back with more after 9. If you attended a federal Indian day school, now is your time to make your claim. If you experience harm at your school, you may be eligible to receive a check for compensation. Remember, you need to make your claim before July 13, 2022. See if your school is on the list and get free legal help. Start at IndianDaySchools.com or call 1-844-539-3815. Claim what's yours. The Alzheimer's Society of BC is supporting an accurate new dementia drug review process in Canada. People living with Alzheimer's disease or a mild cognitive impairment or their caregivers are encouraged to provide their feedback. 
Results will be used to inform a national review of the new drug to treat Alzheimer's disease. For more information or to do the survey, visit alzbc.org slash drug review or alzbc.org slash drug review dash caregivers. November is Financial Literacy Month, an initiative launched by numerous community groups, not-for-profits, and government bodies to help improve Canada's financial literacy levels. One way to be financially resilient is to have the appropriate financial literacy skills to navigate any financial situation. ABC Life Literacy Canada is proud to offer a number of free financial literacy resources from its Money Matters Financial Literacy Program. To access these free Money Matters Financial Literacy resources, visit abcmoneymatters.ca. The Grizzly Bear Foundation is continuing their fight to give orphaned cubs a second chance at life in the wild. Now is the perfect time to show your support. Donations through the end of the month will be matched with 100% of money raised going directly to help get orphaned grizzly cubs back to the wild. To make a donation, search for Project Rewild at canadahelps.org. For full details on Project Rewild, visit grizzlybearfoundation.com. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, we've been talking about Remembrance Day for the first part of the show. I'm going to sort of jump things here, Steve. We're going to talk about Christmas for a few minutes. even though right around the corner. Yes. Yeah. Not quite right around the corner, but uh, not that far away. uh, No, it's uh, the Prince George Council Seniors is getting their Christmas hamper project underway. They have to, of course, because the first thing they need to do is they need applicants to apply for the hampers, and they have to come in in person to the Seniors Resource Center, which is 721 Victoria Street, and you have until Friday, December the 3rd to get in your application, and you have to bring photo ID proof of residence, utility bill or something like that, and documentation proving your income. You have to be 65 or over and receiving the guaranteed income supplement to be eligible for the hampers. Fairly straightforward. Now, of course, they also need donations for the hampers. And those are fairly straightforward. That is until December the 15th, they are accepting them. But for a change and to make things easier on themselves and everybody... They are not taking groceries or gifts. They will accept cash or grocery store store gift cards is what they're looking at doing. And the donations can be mailed to the Seniors Resource Center at 721 Victoria or dropped off Monday to Thursday between 10 and 2. Uh, You can get um, a charitable tax receipt for a cash donation as well as gift card donations if you've got the receipt for the gift cards. So again, they're not taking groceries or gifts, which makes things a lot easier on their end of things, especially because they don't have to worry about packaging up all of the hampers and everything. I know that used to be quite the project. And I think they, a lot of times, had students from different groups come in and help them put the hampers together. So um, they won't be doing that this year. Well, actually, they probably will be because they'll be going out and buying the food themselves, though. They won't be accepting it as donations. And last year, they were noting they supplied over 230 hampers last year, and the need's probably going to be about the same this year, if not more. If not more. Yeah. So, um, so again, that's the Prince George Council of Seniors already preparing for this year's Christmas hamper project. 
Um, a couple of other things, of course, coming up later this month, or actually next week in both cases, really. The Marvelous One Directs, the first production, first full production from uh, Theatre Northwest, starts November the 18th, so that's a week from tomorrow. And then um, the following week, actually, November 26th, is when the Festival of Trees starts. And I'm still waiting to hear, because it's supposed to be at the Civic Center, and I haven't heard anything from them saying we're not going to be at the Civic Center, but I also haven't heard anything saying the COVID knock the vaccination stuff is going to be moving out of the Civic Center. And I don't think you can have both of them going out at the same time. Well, I think they're just going to hold off till the 19th. Yeah. Wait for the update. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the trees are going to be fir, I would think. And fir trees have needles, but this is the type of needle that we're talking about than the vaccination ones. So that was a bad joke, wasn't it? Uh, that I, wasn't a good one. No, okay. I think in that case, uh, we better uh, go to our next break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about something a little bit chillier after nine. The Alzheimer's Society of BC is continuing their series of online webinars. Everyone is encouraged to learn more about dementia and its stark impact on Canadians through their website, alzbc.org. While there, you can also register for their free webinars or watch previous presentations. The next webinar is taking the fog out of brain fog using a multidimensional approach with Dr. Heather Palmer today from 2 to 3. The Alzheimer's Society of BC, bringing you support and information for dementia at ALZ.org. ZBC.org. United Way of Northern BC has partnered with Coastal GasLink to provide funding to critical programming and services in 16 communities in the region. The Coastal GasLink Legacy of Giving Fund aims to remove barriers by providing funding to address local socioeconomic issues. Not-for-profit agencies have through December 20th to submit their completed applications. For more information on the Coastal GasLink Legacy Fund, visit unitedwaynbc.ca slash cgl Dash LGF dash twenty twenty two or call two five zero five six one ten forty. The successful aqua classes from OceanWise are back with brand new interactive curriculum-focused content for grades K to 12. The new live workshops guided by OceanWise experts focus on inquiry-based learning with an environmental and climate change focus. Students will be playing mini-games, leading their own discussion, and enjoying some surprises along the way. More information as well as registration links are available under education at aquablog.ca. It's the aqua classes you know and love online from ocean wise forecast from environment canada a mix of sun and cloud today a 30 percent chance of wet flurries this morning then a 30 percent chance of showers this afternoon wind from the south at 30 gusting to 50 and a high of four a few clouds tonight a low of minus five with a wind chill to minus nine for thursday cloudy a 30 percent chance of flurries in the morning and a high of plus one Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Now, after I made a mistake with our first guest and attributed him to being an instructor at UNBC when he's actually at CNC, I know I've got this one right. Melissa Rispin is the Vice President of Charity for UNBC JDC West. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning. Now, I figure most people in Prince George know what UNBC stands for. Probably not too many know what JDC stands for. So what is JDC? Yeah, uh, it actually stands for Jeux de Commerce, which is just French for the Commerce Games. Um, this is not the same as the Hunger Games, though? No. No, okay. No, uh, much more fun, much less aggressive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and most people survive. Yes. That would be the hope, at least. Yes. So <laughs> what, what is JDC, then? Like, Jeux de Commerce... 
Yeah. So it tells you what it is, but it doesn't really tell you what it is. Yeah, for sure. So uh, basically, it's the biggest undergraduate business competition in Western Canada. Wow. Yeah. So we have, uh, so it's like a case competition. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, 10 academic teams that do like case studies. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically they sit in a room for three hours without anything except each other uh, in teams of three and they solve business cases. And then they do 20 minute, 20 minute presentations to a panel of judges. Um, and they compete against 11 other schools uh, wow. in Western Canada. Um, and then we also have uh, an athletic team, which play sports, uh, a debate team, which debates motions, mm-hmm. uh, and a social team, which they kind of just do challenges and stuff. Okay. I don't really know what they do, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, because you, you're the vice president of charity. Who cares what the social yeah. stuff? <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> now, with the case studies, yeah. do all of the schools get the same case studies so the judges can compare... Uh, yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah, so uh, each team, like each discipline, gets a different case, mm-hmm. but yeah. every team within that discipline gets the same case. Yeah. So by the by the time the eleventh or twelfth one comes around, the judges are kind of going, "Oh, come on." <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be first, and you don't want to be last. No. That's for sure. So, how many years have you been? Because I know we. I talked. I talked to you last year, but I yes. think it was over the phone, wasn't it? Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think I might have. You might have come up to our studio when we were still down at um, Studio 28, I think. I think I might have, okay. yeah. Yeah, um, but this is my fourth year. Um, yeah, so in my first year, I did athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my second year, I was on the not-for-profit team. Uh, last year, I captained. And this year, I'm on the not-for-profit team again, and I am the VP of charity. Yeah. I was also the VP of charity two years ago as well. So, yeah. so the not-for-profit team. Yes. So that... That sounds like that would be a very interesting case study because not-for-profits are a totally different sort of business, really, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I mean, I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely can be a little different, uh, but also the same in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, like not-for-profits don't make a profit for their shareholders, but yeah. they need to make a profit. But they need to make to, some to money. To donate yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in some ways, it's definitely quite different. And mm-hmm. in other ways, it's actually quite, quite similar. Yeah. So you were saying... You get three hours, mm-hmm. and you're in a room with just your teammates. Now, how many people are on a team? Uh, three. Okay. Yeah. So you're there with your two teammates. Do you have any resources at all? or um, This year and last year, we get to use the internet. Okay. Um, previously, the internet wasn't allowed. They let it in last year because of how hard it was to monitor yeah. online. Yeah. Um, and they decided to let it in this year. Um, but we don't really use it a whole lot mm-hmm. because we – so you only get one computer. Yes. And you have to build a slide deck and put in all of your information, right? So you don't actually have a ton of time to mm-hmm. use the internet. So for the most part, it's basically just our own brains. But, so yeah. when you go into the room, do you have to hand over your cell phones? Yep, cell phones, watches, all of it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so there's just one computer, and is it supplied by the it's supplied by the JDC West people, yes. basically. Wow. Yeah. So they're not taking any chances at all, are they? No, they even put you in an isolation room before you go into your resolution. So the day that you present, so like mm-hmm. if you present on Saturday, yeah, um, you go into a resolution room at like five in the morning or earlier and you stay there until you go to resolution so that you can't watch other cases or like see anything else so some people spend like eight hours in an isolation room without like their phone or like Mm. any access to anything and then they go directly to their three-hour resolution now do you know ahead of time like when you go into that situation for the resolution do you know what the schedule is 
for when you're supposed to be going in to do your resolution? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we get the schedule in advance. So you know you have to go in at 5 a.m., but you know I'm going to bring along a pillow. Yes. Because we're not yes. going to be doing the resolution for a while. <laughs> now, you say you're not allowed book or phones or anything like that. Can you bring a book with you? Uh, they don't allow you to bring anything in except, wow. like, water. Okay. Um, and even that is a little iffy sometimes. But okay. they usually have stuff. So they usually have, mm. like, snacks and yeah. games and coloring okay. and, like, whatever. They they stock it. We just aren't allowed to bring our own stuff Okay. In. So they will make sure that, for instance, they don't have a book that happens to be all about the case study yeah. that you guys are doing. That would be just too much of a coincidence. <laughs> exactly. And now the isolation room, it's... An isolation room for each team, or are all the teams in the same room? Uh, all of the teams for that day are in the same room. Okay. So you get to talk to, like, other schools and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. But I guess a lot of it is you don't really want to talk about <laughs> the case study at all. Yeah, well, and, like, when you're in the isolation room, you don't know what it is yet. Oh, So you okay. can't talk about okay. it. You don't actually get the case until you start your resolution. Okay. Um, so you can't really talk about the case. But you're also not allowed to tell anybody what school you're from mm-hmm. or anything. So you just kind of have to be really careful. So, for instance, <laughs> you probably would not be wearing the UNBC sweatshirt that I, you've got on right now. I absolutely would not. <laughs> We're not even supposed to wear, like, our colors oh. because it could, like, tip off the judges. Yeah. It's supposed to be impartial. Now, but somebody like you, now, are the judges the same from year to year? No. Okay. So what to say, because if the judges were the same, yeah. they'd be kind of going, wait a minute, I remember you from last year. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the cases are sponsored, mm. and usually the judges are from the actual companies that the cases ah. are written by. So, like, my first year on Not For Profit, it was a... Uh, YWCA case and mm-hmm. it was like the CEO of the YWCA and their like director of fundraising and like that type of stuff so and so they would use the YWCA like they don't say your case is about Smith Company they would give you the name of an actual company yes wow yeah so it's and they're usually actually written by the company like usually it's mm-hmm. companies that have like genuine problems okay and they write cases and then they basically use us as like free labor okay um, yeah <laughs> and then they go through the other 12 ideas and go that one's not gonna work exactly yeah <laughs> so do they give you a lot of information about the problem or do they just give you sort of the basics of the problem and and when you're in the resolution room are you allowed to ask for more information from somebody if you need it <laughs> Um, it really depends on the case. Some Usually you get, like, a fair amount of information mm-hmm. about the problem. Whether it's all of the information you need or not is a whole other thing. Yes. Um, but you can't, like, it's all you get. You can't okay. ask for more. Whatever's in the case is what you get. Um, and, like, generally they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are definitely some times where, like, you're looking at it and you're like, but I want to know this. Yeah. And you just don't get to. No. Um, sometimes we, we make, like, assumptions. That's what I was about to ask time. was if yeah. you get into that situation and you absolutely there's something you absolutely have to know before you can decide which way you want to do something in your presentation. Do you just assume one or the other and go from there? Yeah, we tend to assume certain things like, you know, you have like a customer, a CRM system or like whatever. Like we assume yeah. stuff when they, it's not like directly in the case. And then we just put that we assumed it okay. in our presentation so that they know like So that they we know that you're making this presentation to them. And they're kind of going, but we don't have that kind of a system. I don't, oh, wait a second, though. They had to assume that. Okay, never mind. Yeah, exactly. So, um, okay, Melissa, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get a little bit cooler about things, if you will, after <laughs> nine. 
Engage Sport North administers grant funding on behalf of the Northern BC Community Development Society and the 2015 Canada Winter Games Legacy Fund to individual athletes or teams in Northern BC. The goal is to help athletes with travel and competition fees. Individual athletes are eligible to receive up to $500 per year, while teams can receive up to $2,500 per year. To apply or for more information, visit their website, engagesportnorth.com. Tickets are on sale now for the Festival of Trees 2021, a homegrown Christmas. This year's festival is at the Civic Centre from November 26th to December 5th with their cornerstone events like the Canadian Tire Fashion Show and Northland Dodge Santa Breakfast set to return. Only 50 tickets are being sold for each event, but a wait list will be created in anticipation of restrictions being eased on November 19th. For ticket availability, call the Spirit of the North Healthcare Foundation office at 250-565-2515. The second annual Cantonese language telethon for Alzheimer's is Saturday. Broadcast on Fairchild Television, all donations made will be matched to a maximum of $65,000. Donations of $50 or more are eligible to receive a limited edition, locally handmade telethon for Alzheimer's pouch, while donations of $100 or more will receive a copper line antibacterial mask pouch while supplies last. The Telethon for Alzheimer's, 8 o'clock Saturday evening on Fairchild Television. Theatre Northwest will be taking to the stage for the 2021-22 season with a musical about a group taking to the stage. The Marvelous Wonderest is a jukebox musical featuring songs from the 50s and 60s and includes two local actors, Shelby Meany and Maggie Trepanier. It's a light, fun way to get the new season underway. The Marvelous Wonderest is on stage at Theatre Northwest in the Park Hill Centre from November 18th to December 8th, health orders permitting. Tickets for The Marvelous Wonderest are on sale now through theaternorthwest.com. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. So anybody who knows anything about the history, if you will, of JDC West and their fundraising events probably figured out what I was teasing when I said things were going to get chilly and we're going to cool things down a little bit. Melissa, I guess this is probably about your biggest fundraising event is happening this weekend, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is our biggest event for sure. Yeah. So what is it, just so everybody's clear? Yeah. Um, so Chillin' for Charity is uh, an event where, so we fundraise all the way leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go to the CN Center and we fill up a large pool outside. Uh, and we dress up in costumes and we take turns jumping into the incredibly cold water um, for... <laughs> Money, basically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and now there have been times in the past, I remember a few years ago, I think you actually had to get the city or somebody else to bring in like water or snow or something that you could dump into the water because it was too warm. Yeah. Uh, we So we get the fire, the Prince George Fire Department fills yeah. the pool for us. And then we use ice from the concession at the CN Center. Mm. Um, and we dump a bunch of it in usually. And also we let people pay to put ice Add in. Add more. Yeah. And I'm sure some of your people, especially if they're a first year taking part in this, they're going, no, 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 don't put any more ice in. It already looks cold enough. Yeah, exactly. They definitely do. Uh, this year won't be as bad as it's been in the past, but. Yeah, the forecast I don't think is too bad. Like no. the temperature's not supposed to be too bad. I think I saw there is like a possibility of snow flurries that morning, but oh, <laughs> are you guys undercover at CN Center no. or no? Oh, no. okay. So if it snows, it'll be lots of fun. <laughs> yeah. Now, do people, especially ones who have taken part in it before, do you tend to know, okay, I'm going to wear a costume that's going to keep me warm and it's going to be waterproof? <laughs> 
I mean, I don't think anybody ever wears a waterproof costume. Yeah. Uh, but you definitely, it's, it's definitely an interesting game because you try to stay warm before you jump because mm-hmm. we're all there the whole time. Oof. Um, but the warmer your outfit is, the wetter you are, yeah. right? Because if you put on like a full fur suit and then you jump in a pool of water, you're going to retain a lot more water. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely <laughs> an interesting game to play. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we usually jump and then everybody gets to like change into warm yeah, clothes and, and afterwards. Then everybody jumps, stays in for about 15 seconds and then <laughs> jumps out and takes off somewhere to change. Exactly. Pretty much every time. Yeah. Now I've, I've just got to ask, even though it's probably never happened, I'm assuming you do have medical people there just in case. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking the shock of hitting cold water. Even if somebody didn't know they had a problem, it could be a problem. Yes, definitely. We do have people who uh, are, like, first aid certified. Now, is it all JDC West students who are going to be doing this? Or do you have other celebrities, shall we say, or members of the community? Yeah. um, So, usually... We have a couple. Uh, this year, we have some people from Scotiabank that are coming mm, and jumping. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Fun Chaser from oh. CKPG yep. is going to jump. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's about it. Other okay. Than us for now, yeah. Now, when you guys are jumping, when the JZC West people are jumping, do you jump as part of your team? Yeah. So okay. each team, like each team jumps together. They dress up in costumes together and... Uh, yeah, so usually three people go into the pool at the same time. So it's not enough that you've got to be with the two people on in your team going through all these case studies. Then you have the biggest <laughs> argument, what are we going to dress up as for children for charity? Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a fun one to have, though. Now, do people tend to use very elaborate costumes, or do most people tend to keep it fairly simple? Uh, it really depends on the team. Some mm-hmm. teams definitely keep it more simple, but a lot of them definitely go kind of all out. They really enjoy <laughs> the event, so they put a lot of effort into yeah. it, for sure. Now, is Children for Charity usually at about this time of year? Yes. Just after Halloween, so you can't just take your Halloween costume? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's usually in mid-November. Okay. Um, yeah, because we do the fundraising with Spirit of the North, mm-hmm. um, and we have to do it before Festival of Trees and everything, yes. right? And we don't like to do things in December because of finals mm-hmm. for us. <laughs> um, so mid-November is usually where it falls. <laughs> yes. Now... I think you were saying this is your fourth year. Have you have you done the like even last year? Did you do Chillin' for Charity? Even though you probably couldn't really gather. Yeah, last year we did a Chillin' for Charity event, but it was different. We did uh, like individual team challenges. Um, we did them all over Zoom. Uh, mm-hmm. We recorded them and then we put them together into like a little movie. Okay. And then we put it all over social media um, because we couldn't gather. Yeah. Um, but I've also done it previously, so like mm-hmm. I've done it. I did it the two years before, yeah. and then I did it last year just in a different way. Um, yeah, I've jumped a number of times. Yeah. <laughs> so you were saying last year's Children for Charity was basically virtual. Yes. And obviously the JDC West competition itself would have to have been virtual last year. It was, yeah. What are the plans for this year at this point? Like when is it taking place for one thing? Uh, it's in mid-January. Okay. Wow. Um, and it is supposed to be in person in Winnipeg as of right now. Okay. Yeah. But that, um, of course, could change still. Yeah, uh, it definitely could. We're really hoping that it doesn't. No. Um, but yes, it definitely could change. But they've held pretty steady so far mm-hmm. that it will be in person. So. And I guess the other nice thing about this year to some extent is even if it doesn't work out, They've got the experience from last year, and you guys have the experience from last year of knowing how to make it work 
virtually. Yes. Last year was definitely... <laughs> a scramble? Yeah. It was mm-hmm. interesting in a lot of ways, for sure. So mm-hmm. one would hope that this year it would be a lot smoother if it had to go that way. I would think the biggest problem for any of the one teams would be the athletic team. Because if you're doing it over Zoom, you're not really competing against the other schools. Yeah. Last year when they did it virtually, they cut athletic. Oh. So there was no athletic (gasps) team. I know. Uh, This year when they talked about a virtual competition, they talked about doing eSports. Okay. Um, But we obviously don't have an eSports team because they've confirmed in person. So I think if they go virtual, again, athletic probably won't have a ton going on. And the, the thing that I find funniest about that, that they cut athletics, is if you go on Facebook, and I did this this morning actually because I wanted to check on a couple of things, and you type in like, you know, UNBC, JDC West, it comes up as school sports team is the classification for it. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, even though the athletics is the first thing that's going to get cut if anything gets cut when you yeah. have to go virtual. Yeah, definitely. Now, on Saturday then, it starts when? At CN, at, uh, the C- well, CN, CNC, I guess I could say, because that stands for CN Center as well, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it starts at noon at the okay. CN Center. We're going to about 3.30, give mm-hmm. or take a little bit. Um, but yeah, so we'll be starting at noon. Now, can people come down and watch or, and or especially donate? Yes. So yes. you can come down and watch. Um, if you know anybody on the team, they'll give you your, their times and stuff. But mm-hmm. otherwise, you can come watch the whole thing if you'd like. Yeah. Watch us all get really cold and wet. Yeah. Um, and you can donate at the event. Um, mm-hmm. And you can also donate to, again, like put ice in, make us no. colder, <laughs> make fun of us, whatever. Yeah. Um. Now, I will just say one thing because, as a lot of people know, I used to work for the Prince George Free Press. So I, sometimes I went down and got photos of it. Do not stand too close to the tank because a lot of these people do cannonballs and stuff like that going yes, in. Yes, we really commit. Yeah. That's for sure. The water can go a fair ways out of the tank, so don't be standing too close, especially if you're taking pictures. Yes. Let's just, let's just say that's the voice of experience speaking. <laughs> so, Melissa, if people want more information about Chilling for Charity or about JDC West in general and the UBC and UNBC mm-hmm. team, yeah. Where can they find it? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a Facebook page, UNBC JDC West. Uh, we also have an Instagram, UNBC JDC West. Uh, we also have a website, mm. UNBC JDC yeah. com. Boy! Um, <laughs> Uh, or you could email us at uh, captains at unbcjdcwest.com. <laughs> um, a little bit of a theme for yes. sure. Yeah. Um, but you can definitely get more information on all of that uh, on those on those platforms. Wow. Yeah. So do you have to sort of mentally prepare yourself? Like on Saturday, are you going to wake up and kind of go, okay, got to get ready? For me, not anymore. No. The first time, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, because I've jumped more than once yeah. each year as well, because the VP of charity jumps uh, oh. alone and then jumps with their team. Okay. So I think I've jumped like seven times. <laughs> so at this point, I'm pretty prepared for it. Yeah. Um, but my first year, I remember, yeah, I spent all day just like dreading yeah. the cold. <laughs> um, but yeah. Now, the other members on your team this year. Yeah. Are they in their first year, or are they experienced at this? Um, both of them have jumped once oh, Okay, before. so they've yeah. got a little bit of experience, yeah. so they know yeah. what they're getting into. Yes, exactly. Okay, <laughs> Melissa Rispin, UNBC JDC West, thank you very much for coming in and bringing us up to date on what's happening. And I may even drop by my... Well, I... <coughs> 
<coughs> there's a good chance I will be there. I don't know if I'll be there when you guys are actually jumping, but yeah. I will be at CN Center for a while. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Yeah. Um, no after nine tomorrow, of course, because Remembrance Day, we will be back Friday, regular setup, CBC front burner to start with, and then the panel after nine. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. This is 9351 CFIS-FM. Prince George, probably supported by Community Mind and Business